Anyway, welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show, and uh, <laughs> onward and upward and off we go. Uh, what else we got? Okay, we got that. We got uh, the death penalty. We got some good news, which is kind of cool tonight. And uh, yeah, all right. So, the dangers of Obon Festival. I like it. I like it. I love it. I, I want some more of it. Yeah, Obon. Now, first of all, if you don't know what Obon Festival is, I thought I might share that with you. What is Obon? Um, it's a summer event in Japan in which people welcome the spirits of well, the old school Obon Festival and kind of the thing today. Uh, they welcome the spirits of their ancestors back home. Uh it's not like Qingming in, in Chinese culture and Buddhist culture. It's, it's different. Uh, it's usually held around the 15th of July in the old lunar calendar, generally now observed during the for four days between August 13th and 16th. Uh, Obon is considered Japan's most significant occasion besides New Year's. So it is the biggie. Besides, New Year's is just out of this world. But uh, most companies close down their operations during Obon. Uh, it's observed nationwide. The customs, though, uh, are different depending upon what part of Japan you're in. Uh, depends on the region of Japan. Some people light a welcome fire at their front doors to greet their ancestors and a send-off fire to see them out. Others float lanterns down the street, uh, down rivers, rather, and still others insert disposable chopsticks or matchsticks into eggplants or cucumbers to create cow or horse-shaped figures for the spirits of their ancestors to ride home to the spirit world and back. Okay. Uh, so anyway, that basically is what Obon is all about. And uh, that now you've got a little bit of background about it. Um, we have had here in Malaysia a Obon festival for decades has been going on. It is a great cultural exchange between Malaysia and Japan. And uh, of course, Japan invests a great deal into Malaysia, and we truly appreciate that. And uh, we want to respect and hearty hi-ho. However, this year, some folks have decided that Obon festivals should not be attended uh, by Muslims, by people who follow Islam, Islam, because uh, you know it's uh, it's a danger, and uh, and I, I couldn't I couldn't support this more. I think you absolutely, if if you are, uh, you sh you should certainly. Uh, Kelvin Young liked the stream. Thank you, Kelvin. Hi, good to see you. Thanks for the like. Appreciate that. Right. Anyway, as I was saying, please don't go to Obon Festival. Okay, because it's dangerous. And I'm saying that for purely selfish reasons. Because in the past, I've gone many years in a row now. It is so damned crowded. <laughs> there are so many thousands of people there. It's difficult to move around almost. There's lots of great food. There's lots of things to do and buy and souvenirs and then of course they have the obon dance they have the dancers up on the on the stage on the big platform typical uh, obon festival stuff and uh, some speeches are given and then everybody gets involved the crowd even if you suck they'll help you out and show you how to uh, to do the dance and you just kind of you know you fake it 
you fake it till you make it. And uh, everybody has a great time. But please don't go. Please don't go. It's very dangerous. And it'll mean more room for me if you stay away. So I'm encouraging you. Don't go. That's a big wink and a nudge. Okay. Anyway, so after all this bullcrap happened, the uh, sultan of Selangor ordered the uh, Islamic Department to back down. And uh, this article from World of Buzz links in our show notes tonight. Uh, Selangor Sultan orders Jais to step down and not prevent people from attending the Bon Odori Festival. There is uh, the Sultan, and uh, there is a little picture from Obon. That's the other thing. I finally get a chance once a year to wear my formal kimono uh, when I go to Obon, so that's fun too. Uh, but don't go. Uh, Sultan uh, Sharafuddin Idris Shah, hope I said your name right, has ordered the Jabatan Agama Islam Selangor Jais to stand down in regards to the upcoming Japanese Bon Odori Festival in uh, Shah Alam. Uh, after the Minister of Religious Affairs uh, advised Muslims not to participate over the fact that there were reports that it had elements which clashed with the teachings of Islam. Uh, the director, Sheridan, was called upon by the sultan to discuss the event and uh, the sultan ordered them not to take a stand to restrict the event from taking place and not to prevent people from attending. Uh, DYMM Twanku does not approve of any decision or ruling on such matters being hastily concluded without in-depth study and scrutiny. His Highness's position is that many cultures have connections with religion, but there isn't necessarily religion in a culture. Well said. His Highness also stressed, uh, stressed the practice that practicing something is different from watching. This is a smart guy. Whether you like his leadership or not, he is the sultan. And in fact, in each state, the sultan is the head of Islam. That's how they've set it up according to the constitution and the constitutional monarchy, monarchy that we have here in Malaysia. Each sultan is the head of Islam, in inverted quotes, uh, in that state. Um, so that's the, uh, that's the deal. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and, uh, Believe it or not, uh, they're still at it. This article from the World of Buzz, again, we're a double World of Buzzer tonight. Check out the link in our show notes. Selangor Rulu's decision to allow Muslims to attend Bonadori festivals causes debate among Malaysians. Recently, as we just said, uh, they discouraged people from attending uh, the Japanese Bonadori festival. Uh, but soon after, the sultan ordered uh, them to stand down and not prevent them. However, uh, it appears people now are not happy about the sultan's decision. Well, guess what? He's the sultan. Taking to social media to share their disagreement with his choices. Surprisingly, there was a lot of backlash. Uh, uh, questioned why there is a need to have foreign culture and religious events in Malaysia. What? I think that cave you grew up in is still open. You might want to go back in it. 
why there is a need to have foreign culture and religious events in Malaysia. The phrase, no man is an island, although it doesn't quite fit, but it kind of fits, comes to mind. Not everyone was upset, some quite pleased with the decision as they wanted to observe the festival. Long live the king, may Twanku's state of Selangor and the people continue to prosper. Thank you, Twanku, for your wisdom and Twanku's efforts in fostering prosperity, sustainability, and harmony in our state of Selangor. God willing, as long as it doesn't violate Islamic law, proceed. Uh, frankly, coming from the Sultan of Selangor, whatever His Highness says, we shall respect. So there you go. They're still griping about it. People just won't let it go. Anyway, I highly recommend that you do not go to a bone festival here in Malaysia. I gave you my reasons because it's too damn crowded and there's too many tens of thousands of people there. And it will give me more room to get around. So, I, I there you go, okay? So stay away. <laughs> no, please, uh, you know, obviously, I'm being sarcastic. I encourage you to go. I encourage you to take part. And uh, it's a great time. It really is. And uh, you get to learn a little, too, about other cultures. And you know what happens when, whoops, we don't want that. You know what happened the last time somebody tried to stop the Obon Festival? If you're listening on the podcast, go to my Rumble account at Sheldon on rumble.com. You have to watch the visual for this. Because this is what happened the last time somebody tried to stop an Obon Festival. It didn't work out really well for that person. (laughs) If you're listening on the podcast, I'm sorry. It's a visual. I'm playing the clip from uh, the final fight in the Karate Kid Part 2. One of my favorite series of films. Sorry, I know it's goofy, but I absolutely love the Karate Kid films. Mr. Miyagi, Daniel, and all these crazy people. So anyway, yeah, that's what happens when you try and stop the Obon Festival. (laughs) Okay. Hold on, I gotta get back over here. I am so out of sync now. You gotta stay with me, stay with me, don't go away. I got lots more coming up, including some really good news about the death penalty uh, here in Malaysia. I've told you before, we've discussed it ad infinitum, as they say. Uh, But it is official. This appeared again. Thank you, World of Buzz. I'm not going to read the whole article. I encourage you to go uh, click on the link in our show notes. That's our description down below and check it out. But this article appeared and the news came out this week. It is official. Malaysian government has abolished the mandatory death penalty. That is unbelievably good news. I am an opponent of the death penalty. I have always, my entire life, 60 over years, been an opponent of the death penalty. I do not believe it is the government's right to take anybody's life for any reason. And uh, and people always say, well, what are you going to put him in jail for the rest of the life? You want to pay the tax? Yes, I absolutely will. I'll pay more in taxes. I don't care. It's not our business to be the government's business to be taking people's lives. I couldn't more strongly disagree with the death penalty for any reason. And we have had a mandatory death penalty in this country 
for not just crimes that, you know, in other countries would have a death penalty, but drug offenses. Marijuana can get you hung. Well, not necessarily anymore. Again, it's not abolishing the death penalty. That'll be the next step, I hope. But it is a big step forward, because in the past, judges have had no choice. There was a mandatory death sentence for certain offenses if you were convicted. They may or may not have agreed the judge, but they had no choice. Their hands were tied. It was mandatory. A big, big step forward by getting rid of the mandatory death penalty in Malaysia. And like I said, that couldn't possibly be any better news. That, uh, that is great. Please read the article in the, uh, in the World of Buzz, and you can check that out. We've also got uh, another one here from the Malay Mail. Uh, an Asia-Pacific anti-death penalty group today commended the Malaysian government's decision to review and abolish the mandatory death penalty. Uh, the mandatory death penalty regime does not provide justice as it deprives judges of the discretion to sentence based on the situation of each individual offender. Uh, this regime has resulted in absurd sentences that have led to public outcries like those involving Harun Jalmani, a single mother sentenced to death for drug trafficking in Tawau, and Maintan Aramugam, a person on death row for a murder that never happened. The Anti-Death Penalty Network, ADPAN, said in a statement, uh, their executive coordinator, Dorothy Chu, also welcomed Putrajaya's announcement on the matter, saying that things are finally moving in the right direction. And there you go. There's a link there. You can click on that and read the entire story. But uh, like I said, some really, really good news today or this week uh, about... Um, about the death penalty here in Malaysia. We have a very Malaysian-centric show tonight. I'm not sure how we managed to uh, to put that together. All right, we got more stupid things. I'm telling you, the stupid was, was all over the place this week. This is, uh, when I saw this, I thought this has to be a joke. Well, it turns out it's not. Be a man. Stop wearing sunscreen. I kid you not. Links in our show notes. Please click on it. Check it out. World of Buzz. Malaysian has been criticized, good, for saying that sunscreen makes men less manly. <laughs> There's the actual post this idiot put on Twitter. Be a man. Stop wearing sunscreen. Certain stereotypes about men and masculinity still exists in today's world, and man, is that true here. Apparently, there appears to be a never-ending list on what men should and shouldn't do to prove how masculine you really are. Yeah, Anwar says LOL. Could not be further from the truth. A very big LO. How about LMAO? Uh... We've gone leaps and bounds to get rid of stereotypes, but it seems there are still a couple that apply in the everyday lives of men. A recent case in hand, when a netizen sparked debate on Twitter, he stated men should not wear sunscreen. 
In a response to a male netizen's Twitter post, the process is on putting on sunscreen. This moron said, be a man, stop wearing sunscreen. After his post gained its share of backlash, the netizen hit back, saying the amount of soy boy triggered by this tweet is too damn high. So you can already see from this idiot's response exactly where his head's at, up his butt. He then explained that in his experience working in the male-dominated fields, no one even cares about sunscreen. This is a quote. Only soy boys working in offices are afraid of the sun because they have been manipulated by the whisperings of the devil in the office, end quote. Malaysians called him out appropriately for promoting toxic masculinity. His tweets garnered a bit of attention. Netizens took the comment section to fire back at this moron. Uh, Dear men, wearing sunscreen doesn't make you less of who you are. You're still a man even when you add basic skin care on a daily basis. Uh, Some users pointed out surely staying healthy and avoiding skin cancer is a bit more important than your alleged male masculinity. And that was exactly going to be my point. You don't want to put sunscreen on because you think it makes you less masculine. You knock yourself out. And when you wind up with skin cancer, I will be laughing at your grave. I really will. I will stand there and laugh over top of your grave because you had skin cancer that you got because you're such a freaking idiot. Unbelievable, these people. You know, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. I have to believe this guy likely put that comment up there just to get the reaction. I can't believe that in his heart of hearts, he actually believes that's a fact. Where did this sunscreen makes you less masculine thing come from? Like I said, I'm going to say that the chances are He knew it would be some controversial post, and so the only reason he put it there was to get the attention. Well, you got the attention. Everyone thinks you're a moron. You can crawl back in that same hole with the idiots from the Bon Odori Festival, okay? All get together, hand in hand, crawl back in your hole. I got a picture coming up of a woman I want to show you. New subject, by the way. We're off that now because I'm not going to give any more time to this idiot. This woman is Frederic Auguste Bartholdi. Nope, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. That's the artist's name. That's the sculptor's name. The woman is French, and she is Isabelle Boyer. She was first married to uh, the American industrialist Isaac Merritt Singer of the sewing machine, Singer sewing machine fame, and later married the Duke of Campo Salis of Luxembourg. Uh, She attracted the attention of a sculptor in 1878, and this sculptor forever immortalized the woman. I'm going to show you the picture. I'm not going to show you the text around it. Take a look at that. If you're watching on our live stream or our video replay of the podcast and our our show, if you're on the podcast, 
I'm sorry, it's purely visual, but you've got to go over and check this out or check the link in our show notes tonight. Can you tell from looking at this woman's face what very, very famous sculpture she was the model for? It's If you look at this picture and you see this woman's face and you think about it, it's an extremely famous sculpture. A lot of people have seen it. I've seen it in person. It's a very large sculpture. Any idea? This is the woman who was used as the model for the Statue of Liberty. Ah, now that I told you, you can see it, right? Look at that. That's an actual photograph of this woman. And she is the one used. And boy, the minute you say that, you think, oh, yeah, that is indeed the face of the Statue of Liberty. Look at that. Yes, you're right, Kelvin, the Statue of Liberty. Absolutely amazing. That is so cool. When I found this, I thought, I've got to share this with you guys. Look at that. And there's the story. She was the model for the Statue of Liberty. Her name uh, from France, Isabelle Boyer unbelievable how cool is that that is amazing i love that story very very cool all right we got one more for you before we go on to our book tonight and uh we always end with a good news story some kind of random act of kindness or some good thing that somebody's done and uh this is a little different but in a way it's a random act and we love these kind of things. Yeah, you're right, Kelvin. It's it's incredibly interesting. It's fascinating. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw that picture of her. All right. This is graffiti. But it's not the sort of graffiti that you think of. Take a look at this and see if you can tell what these people have done. They're calling it reverse graffiti. You see that? Again, visual to the podcast listeners. Click on the link or go over to our pod, our video uh, show on rumble.com or YouTube, Facebook, twitch.tv. This is a wall with this beautiful tree scene on it, kind of a forest scene. And they're calling this masterpiece reverse graffiti. What these graffiti artists have done, instead of using actual spray paint, they're cleaning off the dirt in certain areas on the wall to make their masterpieces. So you can see this wall was completely covered in that dirt there. Uh, all you can see with my mouse now, you see this, the dark area there? That's what that whole wall looked like. It was all just covered in dirt and dust. And a graffiti artist has taken and cleaned away to reveal his picture. Obviously, this is something that lasts for only a short amount of time, and then eventually the rain or the weather will either fill it in or wash it off. But what a cool idea. I mean, it'd be great if the wall were just clean, but in, you know, instead of that, in spite of that, uh, these graffiti artists have done what, what they're calling reverse graffiti. I absolutely love that. That's fantastic. How cool is that? Double messages. <laughs> All right. Cool beans. Very nice. All right. All right. What else we got? That's it. We're going to move on to our book. 
Oh, man. Okay, hold on. Coffee break. Mmm. Hey, just a reminder before we get into uh, Sherlock Holmes, uh, if you are uh, watching our show live or the video replay, please do hit the follow or subscribe button. doesn't cost you anything. It's totally free. Uh, either subscribe on YouTube down here somewhere or Facebook, the follow button, and also on, uh, on rumble.com. Just give us a subscribe over there or a follow. I forget which one it is. It's the same thing, basically. It's free. Uh, signing up for an account at Rumble is also free. That's my favorite platform. They're completely censorship-free. You can say whatever you want. Nobody's going to bug you as long as it's, you know, not something illegal, uh, inciting violence. It's a, un, it's a censorship-proof platform, which is why we love Rumble.com. So please do sign up for an account and uh, and check out our show over there. If you are listening on the podcast or you want to find us, it's easy to do. Just look for The Jay Sheldon Show. That's our logo right there. And uh, click follow or subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. We're on all the platforms. And we want to thank you very much for doing that. Our our subscriptions are, are really picking up a lot, which is, you know, it's weird. How many listens you get, downloads? is not as important to these people as subscriptions. I wish it were different, but it's not, uh, because we get lots of listeners. In fact, we have a really big audience in Lin- uh, in India. I want to say hello and a special hi to uh, tip of the hat to our Indian uh, podcast listeners over there on Geo7. We're also on that podcast platform. And we do. I think our third highest listenership is in India. Not sure why, because we do the weirdest stuff on this show, but hey, it's a little break, something different for you, and we truly, truly appreciate it. And thanks a big hearty hi-ho to our, our listeners in, uh, in India. We, we appreciate you very, very much. All right, it's time to move on over and up to the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Wow, I am flying all over the place. What just happened? <laughs> I'm going to get dizzy here. Okay, uh, we, we do books on this show. It's uh, something we've been doing from the very beginning, our first podcast. And uh, we read books. We read classic books. We've done. Oh, by the way, if you want to suggest a book, just send us an email. Send me a PM on any one of our platforms. You can just send us a private message or an email. Our email address for the Jay Sheldon Show is simply show at jsheldon.com, S-H-O-W, show at jsheldon.com. We do read all your messages. We answer as many of them as we can. And uh, one of the ways we got, uh, in fact, to our last book was through somebody suggesting that we read it. And uh, so we checked it out. And yeah, absolutely. We went ahead and read that book. Um, I did have somebody write me, and they have noticed that in, in our description our show notes down below i put a link to buy the children's book that i wrote called willie and the warthog and uh you can you can still buy it it's there on amazon and the links in our description down below uh it's a cool little book cool children's book it's meant for an uh, you know any audience worldwide it when it talks about it's it takes place in malaysia but when we talk about Malaysian things, we describe them in the book. So you, you will kind of get a little education about some of the stuff in Malaysia. But uh, anyway, someone said, why don't you read Willie and the Warthog? And I thought, hmm, not a bad idea. So we might, after we get through with Sherlock Holmes, we might do Willie and the Warthog. We'll see what happens. All right, let's get on with it then, shall we? 
The Boscombe Valley Mysteries, Chapter 4, from The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. We were seated at the breakfast one morning, my wife and I, when the maid brought in a telegram. It was from Sherlock Holmes, and ran in this way. Have you a couple of days to spare? Have just been wired from the west of England in connection with Boscombe Valley tragedy. Shall be glad if you will come with me. Air and scenery, perfect. Leave Paddington by the 11.15. What do you say, dear? Said my wife, looking across at me. Will you go? I really don't know what to say. I have a fairly long list at present. Oh, Anstruther, would do your work for you. You've been looking a little pale lately. I think the change would do you good. You're always so interested in Mr. Sherlock's Holmes cases. I should be ungrateful if I were not, seeing what I gained through one of them, I answered. But if I'm to go, I must pack at once, for I have only half an hour. My experience of camp life in Afghanistan had at least had the effect of making me a prompt and ready traveler. My wants were few and simple, so that in less than the time stated, I was in a cab with my valise rattling away to Paddington Station. Sherlock Holmes was pacing up and down the platform, his tall, gaunt figure made even gaunter and taller by his long, gray traveling cloak and close-fitting cloth hat. "'It's really very good of you to come, Watson,' said he. "'It makes a considerable difference to me, "'having someone with me on whom I can thoroughly rely. "'Local aid is always worthless and biased. "'If you will keep the two corner seats, I shall get the tickets.' "'We had the carriage to ourselves, "'save for an immense litter of papers which Holmes had brought with him. Among these he rummaged and read with intervals of note-taking and of meditation until we were past reading, and then suddenly he rolled them all into a giant ball and tossed them onto the drack. "'Have you heard anything of the case?' he asked. "'Not a word. I haven't seen a paper for some days. The London press has not had very full accounts. I've just been looking through all the recent papers in order to master the particulars. It seems, from what I gather, to be one of those simple cases which are so extremely difficult. That sounds a little paradoxical. Ah, oh, but it is profoundly true. Singularity is almost invariably a clue. The more featureless and commonplace a crime is, the more difficult it is to bring it home. In this case, however, they've established a very serious case against the son of the murdered man. It's a murder, then? Well, it is conjectured to be so. I shall take nothing for granted until I have the opportunity to look personally into it. I will explain the state of things to you, as far as I've been able to understand it, in a very few words. Boscombe Valley is a country district not far from Ross in Herefordshire. The largest landed proprietor in that part is a Mr. John Turner, who made his money in Australia and returned some years ago to the old country. One of the farms which he held, that of Hatherley, was let to Mr. Charles McCarthy, who was also an ex-Australian. 
The men had known each other in the colonies, so that it was not unnatural that when they came to settle down they should do so as near to each other as possible. Turner was apparently the richer man, so McCarthy became his tenant, but still remained, it seems, upon terms of perfect equity, as they were frequently together. McCarthy had one son, a lad of eighteen, and Turner had an only daughter of the same age, but neither of them had wives living. They appear to have avoided the society of the neighboring English families, and to have led retired lives. Though both the McCarthys were fond of sport, they were frequently seen at the race meetings of the neighborhood. McCarthy kept two servants, a man and a girl. Turner had a considerable household, some half-dozen at the least. This is as much as I've been able to gather about the families. Now for the facts. On June 3rd, that is, Monday last, McCarthy left his house at Heatherly, about three in the afternoon, walked down to the Boscombe Pool, which is a small lake formed by the spreading out of the stream which runs down the Boscombe Valley. He'd been out with his serving man in the morning at Ross and told the man he must hurry, for he had an appointment of importance to keep at three. From that moment, he never came back alive. From Hatherley Farmhouse to the Boscombe Pool is a quarter mile, and two people saw him as he passed over this ground. One was an old woman whose name isn't mentioned, and the other was William Crowder, a gamekeeper in the employ of Mr. Turner. Both these witnesses deposed that Mr. McCarthy was walking alone. The gamekeeper adds that within a few minutes of his seeing Mr. McCarthy pass, he had seen his son, Mr. James McCarthy, going the same way with a gun under his arm. To the best of his belief, the father was actually in sight at the time, and the son was following him. He thought no more of the matter until he heard in the evening of the tragedy that had occurred. Well, the two McCarthys were seen after the time when William Crowder, the gamekeeper, lost sight of them. The Boscombe Pool is thickly wooded round with just a fringe of grass and reeds round the edge. A girl of fourteen, Patience Morin, who is the daughter of the lodgekeeper of the Boscombe Valley estate, was in one of the woods picking flowers. She states that while she was there at the border of the wood and close by the lake, Mr. McCarthy and his son, and that they appeared to be having a violent quarrel. She heard Mr. McCarthy, the elder, using very strong language to his son, and she saw the latter raise up his hand as if to strike his father. She was so frightened by their violence that she ran away and told her mother when she reached home that she had left the two McCarthys quarreling near Boscombe Pool, and that she was afraid they were going to fight. She'd hardly said the words when young Mr. McCarthy came running up to the lodge to say that he had found his father dead in the woods, and to ask for the help of the lodgekeeper. He was much excited, without either his gun or his hat, and his right hand and sleeve were observed to be stained with fresh blood. On following him, they found the dead body stretched out upon the grass beside the pool. The head had been beaten in by repeated blows of some heavy blunt weapon, 
the injuries were such as might very well have been inflicted by the butt-end of the son's gun, which was found lying on the grass within a few paces of the body. Under these circumstances, the young man was instantly arrested. With a verdict of willful murder having been returned at the inquest on Tuesday, he was on Wednesday brought before the magistrates at Ross, who referred the case to the next assies. Those were the main facts of the case as they came out before the coroner and the police court. Well, I could hardly imagine a more damning case, I remarked. If ever circumstantial evidence pointed to a criminal, it does so here. Circumstantial evidence is a very tricky thing, answered Holmes, thoughtfully. It may seem to point very straight to one thing, but if you shift your own point of view a little, you may find it pointing in an equally uncompromising manner to something entirely different. And that's where we'll leave it for tonight. Ooh, nice setup, huh? <laughs> I cannot wait for the rest of that one. We will continue on with, uh, with Sherlock Holmes and the Boscombe Valley murder on our next stream, which is coming up on uh, Monday night, 10 o'clock Malaysian time. All right, Cool Beans, thanks a lot for joining, and uh, we will see you again on Monday. Thanks for your likes, subscribes, and follows. It's an easy, free button. You can just push wherever it is there, and we really appreciate it a lot. Alex Key, hey! Good to see you. Huh. Good eye, mate, and uh, nice to hear from you. All right, and yes, by the way, that little project we spoke about, I'll be sending that off uh, hopefully tomorrow morning or Monday at the latest. Anyway, thanks for the like, Alex. Appreciate that. All right, that's it for our show. I will see you again on Monday night. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon. Good night. Snort. <laughs> 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 <laughs>